Hi listeners, welcome back to a slightly later than usual what we've been watching episode and upfront apologies because I've been trying to stuff in some food so I don't fall asleep while recording and Phil has been looking in with disgust at my particular choices. It's like you're a bear like coming out of hibernation, just stuffing your face with anything you can find. Ham, cheese and brioche, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Very a French bear. <laughs> uh, listeners, we've got four more movie reviews for you. Old films, not at the cinema, but still good ones. And here are some good ideas perhaps for you this weekend yes i've seen home alone and mean girls like what have you seen quite a silly couple isn't it phil yeah just as well i am doing the reader about as serious as you can get uh, war <laughs> kate, time, winslet kate winslet in nazi movie. germany or something like yeah, that. yeah exactly but then i'll also bring it back a little bit and we'll do breaking dawn part one from twilight oh yeah i i didn't i kind of dropped off doing the twilight reviews didn't i don't worry phil i'm here to pick up the slack <laughs> thank you very much okay well should we get straight into it shall we start with probably the the one which is appropriate for the season Home Alone. Home Alone. Why are we doing it now? We should save this for some of the Christmas things. No, I'll start with the fun. All right, Home Alone. Home Alone. Where are you going? We're going to miss a plane. When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation... Did we miss a plane? <laughs> no, you just made it. Yeah! They forgot one small thing. Have yourself... I've had a terrible feeling. Did you lock up? Let yeah. yourself be light. Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Our troubles will be ours. Kevin! Ah! Home alone. in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus and his elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Mark. This is it. Ow! I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Take your shoes off. Why do you dress like a chicken? Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey, guys. Yesterday, he was just a kid. But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? From John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. Home alone. Are you here all alone? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Directed by Chris Columbus, coming November 16th. So there you go, this absolute family classic, but not really a classic in our family. It has to be said, Laura, isn't it? No, we never really watched this one over the festive period, but I know it is a cast iron favourite among many families. Mm, well, I, I mean, I, so I watched this way later into my sort of late teens, I think was the first time I watched Home Alone. And then I watched it again this week with some friends. And I really enjoyed it, actually. It's good fun. It's very, it feels like a classic movie and not just because it is a classic movie. Like, I know that sounds paradoxical, but I think just the very nature of how the film is put together, it just has sort of a real confident thread right the way through from the casting, the writing, the directing, all of it is there kind of making just every single little bit of it even the incidental bits memorable and it just it really commits the idea of here's a kid on his own what's he going to get up to 
And I think it plays it out really well and really yeah. thought it, it's really thought through in how it does it. I tell you, I think the last time I saw this, I found myself thinking that the slapstick, which is, I think, the reason our parents didn't want us to watch it so I mean, much, it is violent. It's really violent, but it, it's not actually that that makes the film enjoyable. The slapstick, you know, you've heard the Red Letter Media guy talking about Star Wars and he says the lightsaber fights, all the flips and the choreography is kind of meaningless without the context. I feel like that a little bit about the slapstick here. So it's not really about the injuries and the violence that goes on it's all about the scene setting and this film i think basically alone among the home alone trilogy is the one that gets it right yeah and actually the thing which really struck me about this film was the 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 traps the sort of oh i'm going to prepare for these these burglars who are trying to rob this house they're not in it until way 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 into the movie and actually the majority of the movie's sort of meat is just him enjoying life as a kid on his own yeah that's exactly what i mean yeah and so it takes that time it takes that time to establish kevin played by macaulay culkin classically it takes the time to establish him as a person what he's like where he kind of ranks in his family hierarchy what his parents are like what his big brother is like all those sort of little traits and actually there's some really good script writing because they they really brilliantly place all those Chekhov guns in the beginning of the movie that then come into play later on like the tranchler like the the furnace and the and the old man with the big spade scooping the snow and how he's all a bit creepy and scary and then he comes into play yeah, of course later yeah. on just in case anyone has hasn't seen this movie or knows nothing about this movie effectively what you have is a very young kid eight years old uh his family go away for christmas and they end up leaving him behind and he is he's none the wiser they they completely forget about him they get on a plane and then they suddenly realize we've forgotten kevin kevin then enjoys life on his own thinking he's wished away his parents but unbeknownst to him, some robbers are planning to rob his house. Some really stupid robbers, yeah. Played by Joe Pesky of Goodfellas. Yeah, right. And he and uh, his buddy Marv, played I think by Daniel Stern, set about to rob this place and they're going to take it for all it's worth. And actually, I think they really make the film work. I think Macaulay Culkin is very cute, but the only way the film really works is if you're sold on these guys as being horrible and threatening, but at the same time not too threatening. I think they get the ju- the balance of it all really right. It is just right. It's a good performance. It's great direction and a good script as well. Exactly. And actually, both the, both the actors who are playing the burglars, they they thought this film was going nowhere, and so they just they really? it up. yeah. They thought this isn't this is going to be completely forgotten, and so they just kind of gave in to the sort of the the farce of the film and committed to it and gave these massively exaggerated performances. But they work because actually there's a couple of moments in this film which I think really are brilliantly judged. One in particular is when, um, you know, after he's dropped those paint cans and smacked them in the face and then he runs up the stairs and he says, oh, are you thirsty for more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's that brief moment where the, one of the robbers actually catches him. They grab him by the ankles. And that genuinely is quite a tense moment. It's a it's exciting moment. And suddenly all the fun and games, and all the silliness gets kind of pushed away and actually the the stakes of the film suddenly become apparent this kid is in danger from these two men who are just nasty pieces of work and that really makes it work the other thing i want to draw attention to which i think often you'd forget but you'd notice when you're you're watching it again as an adult the scenes with uh, kevin's mum played by Catherine o'hara and also john candy who's this sort of improv legend 
he's one of the guys who offers to help her get back to Kevin. Yeah. Those little scenes, apparently John Candy's lines were entirely improvised. Genuinely. And it's, I was cracking up, even though it's all quite banal sort of things he's talking about. He talks about how he left his kid at a, a funeral parlor once and just spent the whole day with a, with a corpse. <laughs> and it's just really bizarre. But he delivers it, it in such, well. a, such a sort of casual way that it's, it's really quite funny. That's a great early example of improv working. And now we're in the sort of doldrums of that comedy barrel. Well, we could talk about that another time. I think basically yeah. the main thing is is that you get people improvising who are not improvisers. Yes, I think that's and right. And I think you, there's the wheat and the chaff, isn't it? You're there? right. This is another issue. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Anyway, the other thing I want to talk about quickly is Christopher Columbus's direction because he, of course, is the director of Harry Potter. Yeah, but you know what, man? I had a quick sneaky look at his IMDb thing here and this is only his third film. But what's interesting about this film, I think, and particularly in the direction, and this is where the classic status comes in, it's not the sort of family films that we're getting today family films we're getting today are very sanitized and they're very kind of oh this is appropriate for children this isn't i think family films back in the day were much more about families families not equaling children but families equaling families so you have those kind of horrible adult jokes and and kind of adult characters existing with very friendly kids sort of ideas and Rather than trying to make it sort of filtered out, they just let it all be in there. So you've got Buzz, uh, Kevin's big brother, talking about the French girls that they might meet in Paris. Oh, and yeah. well, I heard they don't shave their armpits and stuff like that. Which for a kid, it doesn't mean anything. But for an adult, it's kind of like, oh, silly child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's that kind of classic Pixar thing. I had a, I had a great time watching it again. And uh, it was quite funny watching it with my friends. That even though it's like a PG, they were still wincing and they oh, couldn't really? watch. It was almost like a horror film for them, watching all these paint cans flying into them. And oh, yeah. Blow torches on the head. I mean, those robbers would not survive their stunts to get pulled. Well, it's funny though. The thing which really bothered me of all the traps that Kevin's puts out, the thing which I cannot get over is the sticky floors. You know, when he's walking up the steps and losing his shoes and his socks. That's the thing which I couldn't cope with. I cannot cope with sticky. (laughs) Anyway, and yet he invented the Muller lid game. (laughs) Which you did. won't explain here. Mm. Mm. Anyway, the grade I give it is, uh, I think I'd probably even give it an A-. minus. I think it's a really well put together film. I completely agree, Phil, and it's got that warm Christmassy glow about it. It's the same reason I would still recommend the first two Harry Potter movies as Christmas films, because I think Christopher Columbus just gets it. And I know loads of people are down on the guy and they think he's boring. I think that's totally wrong. I think he knows how to put hearts and, and just kind of an atmosphere into his movies. And maybe he doesn't make it exciting, but it is good. Mm, it's very nice that's all I've got to say I think I said quite a few things but Laurie on to you okay well shall I do the reader I mean it is quite downbeat can we cope with that a high I think well that's why we start with Home Alone so we can come crashing down and okay. land somewhere in the middle alright here we go the reader why don't you start by being honest with me I've never told anyone maybe you should when I was young I had an affair She was a friend of yours. A kind of friend. She liked being read to. You never tell me what you've been studying. I'm studying a play. You can read it. I'd rather listen to you. Sing to me of the man, Muse. The man of twists. Twists and turns, driven time and again off course. Why do you leave early? He always leaves early. The affair only lasted a summer. I can't live without you. Even the thought of it kills me. Do you love me? Excuse me? I'm looking for Hannah Schmidt. Schmidt just left. Left? Did she say where she was going? Silence in the court! Nazi! I'm going to take these cases one by one. My name is Hannah Schmidt. 
You joined the SS in 1943. They were looking for guards. I was a law student. I remember very clearly. Societies think they operate by morality, but they don't. Each of the guards would choose a certain number of women. In the evening, Hannah Schmitz asked them to join her. She was making these women read aloud to her. You keep telling us to think like lawyers. What are we trying to do? We are trying to understand. Look at that woman. Which woman? The woman you're always staring at. I don't know which woman you mean. Did she acknowledge the effect she had had on your life? She had done much worse to other people. They were picking women out and saying, you and you and you have to be sent back to be killed. No, no. Have you spent much time thinking about the past? Dead are still dead. How wrong can you be? Right, well, that trailer swings from one topic to the other with alarming speed, and they are quite different topics, am I right? Can't believe Voldemort had such a, an affair when he was young. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Phil. That was Ray Fiennes, as Phil's clever joke uh, puts <laughs> across. And he's playing an older version of the film's main character, Michael Berg, who... Uh, was alive during the aftermath of the Second World War in Germany and he lived in, you know, a fairly average sort of neighbourhood and as he goes about school and comes home and does chores for his parents he sometimes gets uh, the bus home or a tram, I can't remember which one it is actually, sorry, a bus or a tram and the tram operator uh, is Kate Winslet and one day he's rushing home from school because he's just not very well and he's throwing up in uh, a sort of alleyway and she comes to help him she's very kind to him she cleans him up uh, you know she takes him home and she returns him to his parents and he's very grateful so he thinks well you know what i'm gonna go and say thank you to this woman who looked after me that day and she sort of is a bit sort of taciturn he can't really tell much about her she's called hannah he gives her some flowers she doesn't respond that well to it all uh, but one thing leads to another and he sort of sees her in a state of undress through a mirror at which point she comes, she sort of looks at him with a very stern face and he runs away. Because he feels like, oh no, she's going to hate me and everything else. But sooner or later he does go back to see her again and sort of apologises and then chats. And then another one thing leads to another one thing. And actually this older lady, Kate Winslet, sort of starts seducing this young guy. I don't, can't quite remember how old he's meant to be in the film. They don't think they give him an age, but he's definitely too young for Kate Winslet. And they begin this really like illicit, very like intensely erotic affair while he's still at school. And let me tell you, Phil, I was utterly surprised uh, by the extent of that eroticism. So let me tell you, if you're not predisposed to see that kind of stuff and, you know, process it well, then you are in for a shock. And (laughs) I would not recommend the film to you because there is a lot of explicit stuff going on. Fortunately, the film doesn't end with that, and it actually becomes a really quite remarkable exploration of guilt and justice uh, in post-war Germany. Because as Michael starts growing up, you know, he has this tumultuous relationship with her. His friends are all like, where do you keep going? And although he has interest in girls his own age, he sort of feels tied to this woman that he's He's trapped. Yeah, intimate with. I don't think he realises as a young man that he's trapped, but he is. And it's not a good situation at all. But one day, Hannah just leaves and he's completely bewildered by this. And years later, when he is a law student, he, as part of an assignment with his law professor, has to go and watch some of the trials that took place to assign guilt to people who colluded with the Nazis, uh, particularly with relation to the persecution and awful extermination of Jews at the time in the Holocaust. And he is utterly surprised and shocked to his very core to see Hannah Schmitz 
stand up for trial as it turns out she was an SS guard during the Second World War and may have been directly responsible for some absolutely hideous deaths uh, of uh, young girls, I think it is at the time. Wow. I don't know, I don't know really what to say to that. What do you say to that? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you say that because it is a bewildering movie. I, I went in with not many expectations, so the eroticism was like, what? <laughs> and then this was like, what? And the movie changes tones incredibly fast, but through it all, Kate Winslet delivers an incredibly measured anchoring performance. And it's one of those few things where, you know, there's a lot of nudity on her part in this film, but it's one of those rare occasions where she sort of manages to act through her nudity. Does that make sense? It's not just nudity for the sake no, of No, no, not at all. And she delivers um, this really weird, almost sort of, I'm going to say bipolar, and it's not the right word, bipolar character, because she has on one side an incredible tenderness and gentleness. One of the things that happens as they meet up, the young Michael and Hannah, is that he reads to her without realising that it's because she can't read. She loves him to read her because she can't do it. And so you see this intense vulnerability. That's why it's called the reader, incidentally. Mm. But you also see this really odd sort of emotional detachment and steediness as she gives an account of herself at the war trial. And you suddenly find yourself wondering with Michael, you know, to what extent is this woman guilty? To what extent is this woman actually a monster? To what extent should the full measure of the law be levelled at her? And you get completely wrapped up in the really odd moral complexities of everything involved so it is fascinating is so basically do you think the point of the film is that it's kind of like a a personal story to kind of access the ideas of what you do with these people who have been involved with nazi germany yeah who were claiming they were just following orders yeah it's it's an unusual and i think quite a brave uh sort of exploration of some of the moral questions not about the war itself but about the way that justice was meted out and the way that the world tried to recover and gain some sense of rightness again. Because, you know, it's great to have it in a law classroom because all the students sit around debating and saying, well, look, is this justice or not? Does someone need to pay for it or is this just nominal? So you can ask those deep questions without it feeling contrived. Exactly. I think it is a really brilliant film, but it is super intense uh, for the reasons I've just described. I think I have to give special notice to this guy, David Cross, who it plays the young Michael Berg. He's brilliant. Like the emotions on his face and the sort of alternating sense of innocence and yet sort of adult curiosity are brilliantly portrayed uh, in him. I think he's it's a tour de force from the young guy. Not an easy role to carry. What about uh, Voldy? Does he have much of a part or is it... Well, uh, yeah, and I should say as well, Ray Fine. So he plays Michael, who's much older, looking into all these things that happened to him and kind of assessing the way that then he carried on with his life. Did he make the right moral choice? Has he been a just person? All that kind of stuff. Ray Fine's is good. You know, he's not German at all, <laughs> but he still manages to convince through his, particularly his facial performance, a sense of pain and confusion and, you know, he really obviously doesn't quite know how to feel about this woman, about himself and all that sort of stuff. Is this the sort of film that I would say, oh, that's a bit of an empty ending or is it feel no. very concrete? No, I think it's it's a very good ending that nevertheless leaves you plenty of room to make your own decision and ask your own questions. And reflect on what yeah. you've seen. Interesting. What grade? So I would probably give it an A-. minus. I think wow. it is really, really good, but it's definitely an unusual experience. And I've tried to warn you as much as I can <laughs> about the intense autism that is big. So not one to watch with your grandma? Well, probably not, although they would probably have a really interesting perspective, <laughs> let's be honest. Okay, man, are you going to give us another light-hearted move, a movie to lift the mood? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mean Girls. We have a new student with us. She just moved here from Africa. Welcome. I'm from Michigan. Great. I'm 16, but until today, I was homeschooled. And then it was goodbye, Africa. 
and hello high school. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm Janice. This is Damien. Watch out, new meat coming through. This map shows the school's central nervous system, the cafeteria. You got your cool Asians, burnouts, jocks, the greatest people you will ever meet, and the worst. So you've never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up. I didn't say anything. Plastics. Who are the plastics? They're teen royalty. That's Karen Smith. She is one of the dumbest girls you will ever meet. I'm kind of psychic. Really? It's like I have ESPN or something. Gretchen Wieners. She has two Fendi purses and a silver Lexus. And evil takes a human form in Regina George. She knows everything about everyone. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. We want to invite you to have lunch with us. Regina seems sweet. Get in, loser. We're going shopping. Your house is really nice. I know, right? Being with the plastics was like leaving the actual world and entering girl world. Have you seen any guys that you think are cute yet? There's this guy in my calculus class. His name's Aaron Samuel. <gasps> no, no. That's Regina's ex-boyfriend. Ex-boyfriends are off limits. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. Gretchen told me that you like Aaron Samuels. I could talk to him for you if you want. Really? You would do that? You're so hot. <gasps> she do that? She's a life ruiner. I knew how this would be settled in the animal world. But this was girl world. All the fighting had to be sneaky. I want to lose three pounds. They're these nutrition bars my mom used to lose weight. It won't close. It's a five. You could try Sears. Why are you eating a Caltein bar? What? They make you gain weight like crazy. Who does she think she is? I like invented her. You. I'm sorry I called you fat. I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me, but I can't help it that I'm popular. Talk it off! Walk it off! Okay. So this is a film sort of from the middle 2000s, and it is written by Tina Fey. Do you know who Tina Fey is? Do I know who Tina Fey is? Yes, of course, Phil, an SNL actor and writer. Yes, and kind of a bit of a legend in the comedy world, I think. She's one of the sort of big names, female names in the comedy world. She's in Date Night with Steve Carell, and she also does 30 Rock, doesn't she? Yep, she was the writer and creator of 30 Rock, and she's won so many awards. She got massive respect across the world. And this, is, so, her, this is her big film expedition, shall we say. And it is fantastic. It's a really brilliant film. I mean, we talk about Home Alone being a classic. I think this film as time goes on, will be regarded as a classic. because if people keep watching it, man. Yeah, well, I think people will keep on watching it because it is just a top quality movie and it has a script that is on point. It is so sharp, it's so funny. And even now when I watch it again, and I've watched this film quite a few times, don't be put off, fellas, by the fact that it's about girls <laughs> because it is a hilarious movie. I echo that, it is funny. Each time I watch it, there's a new joke I discover. It's totally worth watching again. So basically the plot is we've got Katie played by Lindsay Lohan, pre all the the troubles. <laughs> the troubles happened in Northern Ireland, Phil. Are you sure you're not getting confused? I think it also happened in Lindsay right. Lohan's okay, life, let's I be see. real. Right. So she plays Katie and she is, as uh, the trailer mentioned, she's come from Africa. She was homeschooled and now she's entered into the American high school and she just does not understand the rules of this world. She's got a couple of friends, but it just so happens that Katie is a bit of a school hottie. And this, of course, draws the attention of the popular kids. The plastics, as they're known, Regina George, Gretchen Wiener 
and Karen Smith, played by Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried or something. She was in Mamma Mia, of course. <laughs> yeah, she's gone on to bigger and better things, definitely. But also you've got Rachel McAdams as Regina George, and she has gone on to be a big name in her own right. In fact, the cast across the film is perfect. It's really, really well chosen. You, particularly the guy who plays Damien, one of Lindsay Lohan's buddies. Daniel Franzese. Franzese. I can't quite... It's a Z and the S, it's all the way around than usual. <laughs> I think this is a mark of a really good comedy film. I think the plot of this film... Is is really strong it's got a really clear structure and purpose and as well it's got quite a good sort of moral end i think which is bizarre for a comedy film because it doesn't feel like there's any moral lessons sort of shoved down your throat instead it feels quite normal and natural and part of growing up almost well you know one of the things that makes that work so well is that the protagonist Lindsay lohan's katie herself makes some bad choices and really bad choices and you see the consequences played out so it's one of these things it's, it's sort of humble you don't have someone who's just amazing all the time who starts and then to gets better you. yeah yeah exactly it's someone who themselves hits rock bottom and then learns something on the way up which is classic screenwriting isn't it but it's good screenwriting when your character goes through an arc a journey yeah definitely and yeah often i think comedy films lack a third act they lack a reason for the film uh, this film doesn't it has a very good reason and it's just endlessly quotable, man. Four for you, Glen Coco. You go, Glen Coco. Oh, classic. Do you want me to put that in there? Yeah, please do. I love okay. this line so much. Glen Coco? Four for you, Glen Coco. You go, Glen Coco. If you haven't seen this film, I implore you. I, and in fact, I demand of you that you go and watch it. It's so funny. It's a great one. Listen to the lines. You, will, you won't realise how clever they are because they're so uh, normally delivered. But they're really, there's some great zingers. There is an amazing, and there's one that always uh, I remember is her teacher who says, what is it? She says, Katie Heron. Where are you, Katie? That's me. It's pronounced like Katie. My apologies. I have a nephew named Anthony, and I know how mad he gets when I call him Anthony. <laughs> Almost as mad as I get when I think about the fact that my sister named him Anthony. Yeah, that's classic. You see that, and it, like you say, it's deadpan, and it's quite, you have to think about it and process it, but it is hilarious, man. I agree. I mean, I don't really know what else to say other than the fact that I really think you should see it. And if you agree with me, I want to hear from you. If you don't, <laughs> if you disagree with me, don't come in because I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to hear anything bad about Mean Girls. But you can email in superbaileybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbaileybros. Yeah, and I'd echo that, man. And especially your point saying this isn't just for girls at all. I completely agree. It, everyone learns something and enjoys this film. What's the grade? The grade is, I'm going to say it's an A. I think it's a top quality movie. Nice. For what it is, it's a fantastic comedy. As I say, I think it's going to be well regarded in years to come. If you've been a fan of Pitch Perfect, I think Pitch Perfect is kind of off the back of this film. Yeah, So do check it out. Definitely check it out. Nice one, Phil. Thank you. Should I do the fourth and final movie? And the fourth and final film of the Twilight Saga. Oh, sorry. That nearly would have worked brilliantly. But it kind of, yeah. Hmm. Just imagine if it had worked, listeners. It would be the perfect segue. (laughs) Hear the trailer. We go. Breaking Dawn Part 1. You ready? Yes. Just don't let me fall down. Never. I, Edward Cullen, take you, Bella Swan. For better or for worse. To love. To cherish. As long as we both shall live. This is how I'll remember you. Pink cheeks, heartbeat. I think I'd be used to telling you goodbye by now. Last night was the best night of my existence. 
go phil it wasn't that fun listening to the trailer listeners if you thought you'd forgotten the twilight films and had gone to a better place i'm sorry to bring them back to you <laughs> that's very optimistic right from the start yeah i'm sorry i really think this is a bad film and the the second part i think is bad as well but i'm not reviewing it so listeners as you sort of might have picked up from the trailer there after edward and bella got married in hello magazines <laughs> top wedding of the year uh with all the fairy lights in the trees and that kind of thing uh, they then go away on a honeymoon and <laughs> uh, make uh, make a lot of love. That's how that's how it happens. I, I've got to say, I mean, before I keep going on the plot, I just like as a married man myself, Phil, I just could not handle those scenes because they're so sort of caught up with a certain kind of fantasy about what being married and being in love is like that it's just sick you'll have me forever oh it's just annoying and there's every kind of joke under the sun and it's terrible and i mean that looks like the honeymoon from my nightmares to be perfectly honest but anyway <laughs> we're going to that now uh, but yes yeah, so they go on honeymoon and whoa wouldn't you know it but uh, they made a mistake the kind of mistake that happens <laughs> on a normal honeymoon. every day uh, around the world and bella finds herself pregnant but there's a problem listeners because bella herself is not a vampire yet and she has a half vampire fetus growing inside of her like alien it feels a bit like a fan fiction doesn't it yes phil that is exactly what it feels like but you know what do they do because it hasn't happened before everyone is really worried the scientist what's the dad vampire dad's name again I don't know the blonde one yeah that one he they're all saying you know hey this has never happened before the fetus uh your body can't support the fetus it's uh, devouring you from the inside which all sounds like quite cool sort of horror movie ish stuff but this film doesn't go anywhere near anything remotely approaching horror i would characterize this movie as basically uh unresolved tension or unfulfilled tension because it is entirely build up and absolutely no payoff of any kind whatsoever there is a resolution but when before you get there like everyone is mad about bella people are still mad about bella even more than that what she obviously has passed on to her baby before it's even born is the fact that everyone in the world seems to care about it more than anything else <laughs> this baby could be the one thing that destroys vampire civilization phil it puts the wolves finally at war again with the vampires it could even destroy bella it could you know ruin edward's life because he can't live without bella either mm, it could even ruin the wolves pack yes exactly phil bella is yet again right at the center of a you know a world-changing conflict but fortunately it all works out just fine so <laughs> don't worry about it that's that's, be- that's basically the experience of twilight am i right yeah i mean we we've talked before about how we quite like the first twilight film there's something kind of weirdly magical about those that, that and the first rainy film. grayness of forks is great yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The music yep uh, where's it gone 
Well, it's gone nowhere, Phil. It's gone into a sort of terrible uh, Mills... Well, I keep saying Mills and Boone. I don't really mean that. It's an airport fiction. It's the kind of thing that, you know, your mum might read on a plane and you might read it like Piero would see what she's reading and read something like he was heaving with desire and go, oh, <laughs> immediately turn away. Do you know the kind of thing yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I can't recommend this film. I think you can see in every single actor's face how much they hate everything that they're doing. But how much how money terrible. they're earning. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in the film's favour, they go to amazing locations. It still looks pretty good. And even the ropey CGI is okay. I just think it's an awful story. I think the performances are not good. I think, as I said, it's totally unfulfilled in every way. They work so hard to pretend there's something more to this story than anxiety about having a baby. <laughs> but there's nothing. That's it. That, that's it. What that's about it. old uh, Team Jacob, you know, Mr. Our Boy Jacob Mr. Werewolf? Mr. Ultimate Friendzone. Uh, every year since Twilight has been released, yeah. Well, I mean, exactly the same thing. He has sort of unre- unfulfilled desire, sort of, but it does resolve in one of the creepiest, most misjudged uh, story plot lines I've ever come across. That's in the next film, though, isn't it? I can't really give too much away here, but at this point, Jacob's just moping around, in love with Bella, can't live without her, blah, blah, blah. Get over it, Jacob. There are other women in the world, and many more who are less miserable. Mm. Am I being too harsh? No, I think it's quite. I think it's quite normal. I think there's quite a few people who were fans of the first film, or fans of the first book, and kind of got hooked in. And then, but it's kind of like when you're watching a, a, a TV series and you're on season seven, you're like, "Do I even like this anymore?" But you're already invested, isn't it? I think that's what this film gets to. That sort of point where you're like, oh, "Is really?" But you're still watching it, still reading it. Yeah, I, you know, I think there are actually some fairly troubling parts to this as well because one of the elements of this listeners is that bella has made some kind of deal with edward that he has to turn her into a vampire at some point because it's what she wants and i always found it quite chilling in the books as well as the films that she takes almost no hesitation whatsoever to say i want to be a vampire when edward takes his time explaining that she won't have a soul (laughs) and she'll be like a lifeless husk and she'll have to leave her family forever and have to tell them that she died in a plane crash or something like that and she's going to have to live with those decisions for the rest of her life. She's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And I think I find that a slightly chilling and troubling thing. And especially when you realise this series is geared towards teenage girls. So, mm. But then, you know, it's exactly the same thing. It's all this unfulfilled tension because can I spoil something from the other film? She does decide to become a vampire, but luckily she doesn't have to never see her family again. <laughs> they just find a way around it. So having built up all those problems again, oh, it's just fine. That's the yeah. Okay, Yay! I've said enough, haven't I? So I think this is a really bad film. I think it gets a C minus from me. I can't give it completely a D because you know, as well as they can handle such an awful story, they do. The, the cinematography's fine, the music's fine. Yeah, there we go. Blah de blah de blah. There you go. Well, there's our four films for this week. What we've been watching. Quite a weird, bizarre mix. It was an unusual one, but at least three really happy films and one serious thinker. Hopefully not a bowl of ice cream with too much fudge, but there you As go. As Billy Bob Thornton would and did, in fact, say. <laughs> yes. Uh, but guys, if you've got your thoughts on our films, if you happen to watch any of these films over the weekend or over this next week and you want to tell us how you found it, we'd love to hear from you guys. Do email in. You can email us at superbailybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbailybros. And do give us plus ones or minus ones. We're happy to take those minus ones if you can justify it. Yeah, well, we'll take it anyway. Let's be honest. Yeah, let's take it. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a great week. We'll be back with you again. And again, I'm sorry that this has come out a little bit later than usual. There's some good reasons involving the BBC. Imagine that. There we go. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. When I read it, it seemed like... 
wasn't it was like it was a book that wasn't supposed to be published it was so long yeah it is yeah yeah and and we were shooting it forever if edward was not a fictional character you just met him in, in reality you know he's one of those guys who'd be like an axe murderer when you when you put it the bare facts out he tells i've killed 40 or 50 people and uh he's like you really shouldn't and i i want to kill you so much every single day every moment i'm with you i desperately wanted to kill you and she's like, I don't care. I love you. And it's like, well, <laughs> there's definitely something wrong with her, and there's very obviously something wrong with me. I was, I was convinced that Stephanie was convinced she was Bella, and when, especially when she says oh, it was based on a dream, and it's like, oh, I've, met, I've had this dream about this really sexy guy, and she just writes this book about it. It's like this woman is mad. I hardly get to do any vampire stuff. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I don't get to kill anyone. My entire performance is based on having extreme discomfort, having contact lenses in your eyes, just like, just kind of like that the entire time. Like, yeah, I. He's like ultra polite, really formal all the time. Like, oh, let me open the door, let me carry the bags. It's like literally, like you could just tell he just freak out one day and shoot someone. He's like, like what am I doing with this like, kid? I'm 108 years old. There's a lot of books in the Cullen household, but know what to expect when you're expecting a half-vampire child. No, they look on Google Images. <laughs> that was one of the, the funniest scenes I've ever had to do in my life. It's like, really? We're all like 300-year-old geniuses, and we just go, it's like, vampire baby, like, <laughs> on Google Images. And, uh, yeah, that, that was our research into it. It's like, I can't find anything! For Rob, is that correct? Rob, Any, Robert, our pets, anything, Any, anything. <laughs> what do you think of our pets, actually? Is I would like to um, break the hands and mouth of the person <laughs> who came up with it. Millions of Twilight fans out there just cannot wait to see this. Uh, it's very uh, almost heartbreaking because they don't want it to be over. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bittersweet, isn't it? <sighs> um, for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah.